What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program. Once again, if this is your first time checking out the show, thank you for listening. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes and uh, reviewing the podcast, giving it five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel the podcast into the tops of those iTunes charts. And uh, that will make it more visible for strangers and just give it uh, more visibility on the national and international levels. And uh, just a great way to grow the show and contribute to the sustainability of the thing. Like I said, it's free to do it. It only takes a couple minutes of your time. And I appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do that. And uh, I appreciate you just for checking out the show, just for tuning in. You are much appreciated. We've got episode 186 is on the way. Chris Frank making his return to the podcast. Chris Frank of the Frank Irwin Quintet. We'll get into that chat momentarily you can also check out the dan cable presents youtube channel which features a bunch of in-studio performances live show performances uh a short film on the band tribe mars called move through you is up there that i put out a couple years ago which is a cool snapshot of what that band was doing around that time one of my favorite bands from here in portland oregon where i am uh based out of so check out the, the YouTube channel. You can subscribe there as well. Uh, some gold Casio videos are going to hit the feed very quickly here. Those are uh, from a live show that I filmed back at the Doug Fur in November of last year. And it's the, the final videos to come out from, uh, from that show that we threw with uh, Autonomics and uh, Strange Hotels. That was a, a very fun event at my favorite venue in Portland, Oregon called the Doug Fur. And uh, so those will be hitting the feed soon. So subscribe there and then you'll know when they are available. You can check out DanCablePresents.com, which is the central location for uh, everything going on. And the new episode hits there as soon as it's available as well. But, uh, you know, why not just hit subscribe on wherever you're listening to it and then you'll know right away. DanCablePresents at gmail.com is where you can reach me if you want to submit some music for the show, maybe for a playlist episode or if uh, trying to get your uh, your band or you're an artist that wants to be featured on the program, send me your tunes. Send me the records. I'm, uh, I want to listen to it. So it's dancablepresents at gmail.com. You can also just send your, your general complaints for the show too if you want to do that or uh, you need some, uh, some relationship advice. I'm no expert, but that'd be fun to uh to read those types of things on here or just any life advice as well from someone that's unqualified to do so that'd be that'd be a blast so hit me with those as well and uh at dan cable presents on instagram is is where i'm most active on the social medias also on the uh 
the Twitters as well at Dan Cable, not to be confused with the uh, the author and uh, professor, motivational speaker Dan Cable, the other bald man with the uh, the glasses who I get confused with often in the Twitter world, and I, I love getting those tweets from people just uh, just talking about much more highbrow things than I am that I am uh, privy to. So. Yeah, man. How's everybody doing out there? Everybody's uh, doing all right. We're heading into this fall season. It's been uh, surprisingly pretty goddamn sunny here in Portland, Oregon the last week or two, and it's uh, it's pretty great. It's getting a little crisp outside, but I'll take it, man. The more, the more sun we can get in before we go into the dark hole, the dark gray hole of the uh, Pacific Northwest fall winter, I am... Uh, I'm doing my best to prepare for this and to uh, stay busy, busy with projects and uh, trying to figure out where to put my energy after uh, some some creative endeavors have come to an end recently with the uh, the library here in Portland, Oregon closing the the spot that I was booking and and some other things. But uh, I'm really stoked on on the things that I am working for and. Uh, I'm definitely amidst a uh, learning a lot about patience right now, and that's a lot of fun for anybody out there that's uh, also learning lessons about patience. It's it's a great time, and uh, I just can't wait to learn more about it. Oh, you know what? I'm uh, I want to shout out that I'm pretty stoked about the uh, a bunch of the Pickathon content from this 2019. Pickathon that just passed here in August is starting to roll out, and there's a bunch of live performances that have been put out on the Pickathon YouTube channel, and I'll put a link to it in the episode notes along with all the stuff for Chris Frank, but along with some of the videos that have been released is the first of this year's interview series, which I got to do a lot of these this year. Um, The past couple years, I've done about six to eight of them. And this year I got to do like 10 to 12. And I think that almost all of them, if not all of them, will get aired. And this was the year that I was just in the most comfortable place of uh, doing these on-camera interviews. So I'm, I haven't even gotten to see all of them. And, uh, but I'm, I'm really stoked that the first of those has been released, which was a chat with... Uh, with Mike of Mike and the Moon Pies, and we had such a cool, cool conversation. Um, and I'm hoping that I can get Mike on to do an extended chat for the podcast because we talked about a lot in the uh, 15 or 20 minutes I chatted with him at Pickathon, and and those get condensed down to these four or five minute videos that come out really great. And it's um, the interview is integrated into some of their live performances at Pickathon. But really stoked how that one came out. So the Mike and the Moon Pies interview is up. It's the uh, first episode of the interview series from Pickathon this uh, from 2019. So check that out. If you love some honky-tonk, ripping rock and roll country music, then Mike and the Moon Pies is is where it is at for me. I've been I've been banging that record ever since Pickathon. I listen to that to that album a lot now. So uh 
stoked that that is up. I will uh, put that, like I said, in the episode notes. Put the link there. And then I just want to shout out this calendar date, November 16th. I am doing a DJ set, Ernie Moose Johnson. DJ Ernie Moose Johnson will be at Ron Tom's here in Portland, Oregon on November 16th. And uh, I'll be spinning the jams from 10 to 2 a.m., 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. The locals, the classics, the deep cuts, and everything in between. Some funk, hip-hop, R&B. It's, uh, it's coming at you. So that's November 16th. I am so stoked for, uh, for that set. That's going to be a lot of fun over there. And, uh, and then this Friday, if you're listening to this on release day, November 1st, the Frank Irwin Quintet is, uh, is playing at Strum Guitars from 7 to 9 p.m. It's an early show. They'll be playing uh, a long set there, a couple hours set over at, uh, over at Strum in uh, celebration of this teleportation EP that is now available, and uh, it's kind of the center of the, the conversation between Chris Frank and I on this, on this episode. I'm really excited for, uh, for the show tonight. Um, I've, I've gotten to see this band perform a few times over this last year, and it's, uh, it's always so goddamn good. So I'm really looking forward to it. And it's uh, it's always a pleasure to to get to catch up with Chris. I play ice hockey with this dude on the Portland Pine Cones, so I see him very regularly at the hockey rink. And um, yeah, it's just always fun to sit down and and bullshit with him about music. He's uh, an amazing musician and and a really great composer and just a really cool fucking dude. So. Um, Episode 186. I'm going to put all the links to uh, the things that we talk about, the the videos of the Frank Irwin Quintet doing it at Super Secret Studios. Also, if you're trying to, uh, if you see the Super Secret sessions and uh, you dig what you see on these videos, please do reach out to me, contact me, and I will help you and your band or if you're an artist that just wants to, to get in there, um, and, and set up one of these video sessions or you're just looking for a studio to record at, um, please get at me. It's dancablepresents at gmail.com and uh, I can help facilitate that for you and happy to do so. But um, I'll put the links to those videos up. Uh, I want to shout out Vortex Magazine here in Portland, Oregon. I just did a write-up um, that got put out through Vortex premiering one of the uh, the videos from the Frank Irwin Quintet from that super secret session. So I'll put the link to that in there as well. And uh, Vortex is also responsible for uh, putting together the the video content for uh, those Pickathon interviews too. So just uh, much love to them for their continued support of the Dan Cable Presents podcast and and Chris Chris Young man, uh, the editor in chief over there. That dude is uh, the person responsible for even getting me in the door on getting to do those interviews every year at Pickathon for the last three years. So big ups to him and uh, and Katie, who is uh, killing it with the, the editing as always. And she's just always incredibly kind and helpful with uh, helping me put together polished material for, uh, for that uh, r- written content. So... Big thanks to Vortex and uh, the staff over there. We're going to do the damn thing. We got episode 186. 
is coming at you. We're going to kick this off with uh, one of my favorite tracks that we, uh, we get into in the conversation, but uh, one of my favorite tracks off the record, which is called Persimmons, off this Teleportation EP. I'll tell you what, this is an extra buttered edition of the podcast. A little, little buttered up for this one. We got a little baked, so uh, extra buttered edition coming at you. Uh, fun chat with Chris Frank of the Frank Irwin Quintet. And uh, this is it, everybody. 186 off of the Teleportation EP. This is Persimmons. Let's do the damn thing.
Chris Frank, back in action here on the cast. Um, I feel like I was just here, Dan. dude. You're you were here like two months ago. That's right. We That's did. Right. You were part of the uh, the Jazz Month yeah. that I did. It was a good month. I enjoyed those. That was fun. That was fun. And I don't know. I I don't I don't usually. I feel like I don't really usually have people back so quickly. I I was surprised. I was surprised to get the call. But I was uh, I was listening to this teleportation EP mm-hmm. that is uh, that is out and about. Is it going to be on the streaming services oh, as yeah. well? Yeah, absolutely. On Friday, will it drop? Yep. On Friday, on the first, yeah, November first. Um, but it's on the Bandcamp too. Mm-hmm. Good old Bandcamp, man. Shit, I made like twenty seven dollars from Bandcamp last year. You know, there's. There's that thing on Bandcamp where after you've listened to a thing like three or four times in a row, it does that. Um, it did that to me the other day. Yeah. It pissed me off earlier because yeah. I was trying to listen to your record and I was just like <laughs> really trying to, you know, just really dive into it. And it just got to this point where it was just like, you've listened to this a lot and I think you should probably pay for it now. I forgot what it exactly mm-hmm. it says. but Something like that. You get it a couple times. And you get to skip it, and then yeah. it just like stops letting you skip it. It's yeah, like, pay this people. And when you say no thanks, the heart breaks, and it's just like <laughs> you motherfucker, dude, guilt me into buying this record. Well, I was using it like because um, I I have trouble with phones and stuff. Like I I miss my iPod. Right, my iPod Classic took a dump like two years ago. I had it for ten years. It was amazing. I was so sad. Um, and. Now I don't like know how to get music onto my phone, so I uploaded that the album to Bandcamp like a week ago just so I could listen to You're it. Like an old man. <laughs> oh, in so many ways, man. in so many ways. Um, yeah, it's funny though that that thing ends up coming up, and uh, I I found the, the loophole though. You can just if you just close out the browser and then clear your internet history, you can uh, get back in. Nice and. Uh, and listen without it harassing you anymore. But um, anyway, the record's out. It's yes. it's an EP called Teleportation, mm-hmm. and I was um, we just dropped this uh, vortex write up for um, the Teleportation and other epiphanies mm-hmm. video mm-hmm. that uh, was a part of the Super Secret Studio session that your Frank Irwin Quintet did. Um, a few months back, it was in June. Yeah, we started rolling those videos out. Those came out really cool, and I was doing the write up for that, and I was listening to the new record, and I was just super, super fucking inspired by the the new EP, dude. And Thank you. and uh, so I I don't know. I think <clears throat> almost some in some ways I selfishly asked you to come back <laughs> to talk more because I you're one of those people that I've had the opportunity to like kind of get close with and uh that that is very inspiring to me the the things that you're doing we do see each other naked like once a week <laughs> <laughs> yeah is uh that hockey locker room man you're 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 bound to see some dicks in there it happens and uh but yeah i i was just uh i was just very down for the music and uh just just thought it'd be cool to to kind of dive into that among yeah. some other things, you know, we we didn't we obviously didn't touch on everything there is to touch on in in one episode. Certainly of this not. Thing. Certainly not. Uh, we talked about you know 
Talked about your friend Eric. Eric Wolf, baby. <laughs> Eric Wolf, dude. Who uh, you know, changed your life forever. That's right. He made did. you get a bass guitar, but you know. Big deal. Um but yeah, the record is dope. But also we were just talking about the Broken Beats album release party that mm-hmm. you did at Mississippi Pizza. Mm-hmm. And that particular event was very impressive to me, just the way you put that together. And Thank presented you. that whole thing. And I thought that that was like one of the cooler parties and gatherings of some amazing musicians and supporters of the scene and just a bunch of different artists yeah. that are all really unreal. And it was just a, it was a very cool vibe there that night. I, I don't know that I've been to like a, a cooler Mississippi pizza party venue, <laughs> like, like show. Yeah. There. Yeah. Well, that, that can be a tricky room. Uh, for a bunch of reasons, because there's places to hide, you know. Yeah. Um. So you can have you can go outside and smoke. You can be on the pizza side eating, uh, and not hear a thing. Uh, you can be in the back bar, um, and so kind of my idea to try to 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 make it as fun as possible, right, is just to like not give anybody a chance to smoke a cigarette, or or even go get a drink, um, but just like have the music never stop. And it stopped for a minute, I think, after Brown Calc. Um, but I, I, I had a blast, man. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, dude. Just the way it all, all flowed. Like just, just as you were saying, Mm -hmm. the, uh, the nonstop music kicking off with Ben Martin's DJ set, which which was was so sick. (laughs) I was so stoked for Ben that night. Yeah. And, uh, and just the way everything just blended right into the live jazz sets, like, from Ben's song right into the band playing it live yeah, there. Better broken. And we ripped, too. Like, I think that that set up having 15-minute break, play a song, 15-minute break, play a song, and go, like, mangle. And I think it was really good for the, the musicians and the live band and, my, and the quintet because we were, like, relaxed. We maybe had a drink or something between in the shows talking to our friends, getting feedback, and then we go up and we just pop one off real quick. And um, it uh, it was just, I thought, brought out a really aggressive energy because you only had that one song to make an impression, and then you had to, like, you know, crawl back into the darkness. Yeah. I don't know, man. It was, yeah, it was just, that whole night was just really dope, and there was some, some very cool performances. That was the first time I, I had met neil Vontali and and hung out with him mm-hmm. for like a previous podcast and and seen him around a few times um just as other people's dj so i'd never seen him perform a beat set yeah it was awesome that was amazing and and Meltzer is alex Meltzer is just a fucking genius dude and it's so fun to watch like the music heads watch Meltzer perform mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The way that people engage with what he's doing and and talk about it is uh, it's very mind blowing and a lot of fun to watch for sure. Yeah, he's something else. I'm always uh, honored and kind of humbled when I when I have to share the stage with him because <laughs> uh, it's like just for your own uh, state of mind going to the show, knowing that Alex is doing the set and knowing that you're going to get your mind blown at least once in the evening, right? Sometimes you play a show and the, and the bill's like, ah, all right, like I got to go sit through this. 
you know, in a nice way or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you're like forced. Thing. You're forced to see bands that you wouldn't normally see if you're if you're out gigging. Absolutely. Gigging. And uh, so anytime, um, anytime I play with Alex, I get excited because he always brings something different. He never really does the same set twice. There's some tunes off his beat tape that he'll you know he'll he'll play, but they're like they're super dope. Um, but I have a, I actually bought a, a tape deck. I went to this Inner Sound over over in Clackamas, like you know where Portland Cider Company is, like back in that industrial park. Yeah, that like <laughs> yeah, overlooks yeah. the highway. Yeah. So even deeper in that industrial park is like this little stereo shop called Inner Sound. They used to be in Southeast. Really nice folks. Um, great selection of stuff. They you know they like repair shit. I'm not promo owner. I'm not getting paid. Ah, that's cool. A, a um, plug for a local business here <laughs> yeah. in the. In the the deep, the deep <laughs> suburbs of uh, yeah, real nice the folks. The greater Portland area. I recommend it. But I went there, you know, um, on the way home from work. I'm like, I'm buying a fucking tape deck today because I got a nice stereo and shit, and so I don't have a tape deck because I wanted to listen to Alex Meltzer's fucking you know uh, beat tape at my house and not on the stupid internet. <laughs> because you don't know how the internet works. I can't figure out how to get it on my stereo. <laughs> so I went and bought a tape deck so I could listen to this shit. And the, the, the Corgi and Bass um, mixtape as well. I had that on cassette, and then I, I got a cassette from um, Old Unconscious, which I think is a band that like not enough people fuck with. I don't even know um, who that is. It's, um, I can't remember all the names of the guys. But uh, Matt Berger plays drums, who hosts the Wednesday Night Latin Show on KMHD. Great drummer. Okay. I played with him on Joe Kai's record a couple summers ago. But he's a drummer. Noah Bernstein of Bernstein's Bagels uh, plays alto. Or tenor, actually, I think, in that band. And then there's, like, keyboard player and a dope fucking bass player. Uh, and they're called Old Unconscious. I have one of their tapes that got given to me for free when I was over at their rehearsal space. Three tapes. One bought the tape deck. Moral of the story is I wanted to listen to Melter that bad. <laughs> I went out and bought this tape deck. Now that you have that tape deck, are you at all inspired to put any of the stuff you're releasing out Dude, on tapes it's, because it's so cheap? It's it's actually more expensive than CDs, believe it or not. Is it now? I wonder if it was like that before it became like a, a cool thing I again. Don't know. Because that was supposed to be the deal about why you would do tapes is because they were the cheapest thing. No, man, they're they're I mean it's it's comparable a hundred tapes the way i wanted them are like uh 285 bucks okay and i just ordered 100 cds got them and the turnaround is uh three to six weeks right so cds from atomic disc who i fuck with all the time um you what are you <laughs> you just came on here to plug local businesses <laughs> or what yeah basically but kidding. um you know i ordered it on a friday and i got them the next thursday and it was 200 bucks and so it's just a and so, yeah, I was going to put, to answer your question, yes, I immediately, like, got home, and you can edit all that shit out, right? <laughs> if you want me to. That's silly. Um, no, but uh, anyway, I, I was like, I want to put this EP out on tape. Like, I'm doing it. So I call, or I write the guy at the, the place that Barry recommended, who I'm not going to name, um, and because uh, I don't remember, I don't think. Um, but it was going to, yeah, the money wasn't a problem, but they, they said it'll take about six weeks. And I had already decided that I was, I already printed the fucking flyers to do the release show on November 1st. So I was like, eh, whatever, I'll just do CDs for this. And then what I think I'm going to do is take everything that's been put out so far and pick my favorite, like, 68 minutes, which I think is the max for a cassette tape. Okay. Um, and just release, like, <laughs> fucking greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> greatest hits of Frank Irwin Quintet Been around for like a year and a half. Like 48 people have seen us play live. <laughs> and put out a greatest hit. You can do whatever you want, dude. <laughs> yeah, but like my, not necessarily my favorite, but the ones that I think go together best is, is kind of one piece. And put them in order, like so reorder and maybe pair up some of the remixes with their original tunes. So like have a little like, a fun fucking tape to sell. So even if you got a couple of the records or whatever, you could grab the tape for your car and it'd be like all the jam. No, that's cool. It'd be a different collection of tunes and yeah. different different uh, sequence to listen to them in. Yeah, absolutely. And plus then you have more, you have a tape. Tapes are cool. I don't know. And I was kind of bummed out about the plastic situation, but I read some shit online. Did I tell you this? That <laughs> no. <laughs> that if you stream a song or like the songs on an album like 27 or 29 times or something that carbon footprint for those 29 streams is bigger than your vinyl record right? what yeah or um, bigger than your cassette tape the like the amount of plastic that goes into one of those things or the amount of vinyl or uh, you know uh, oil right that goes into one of those like the amount of electricity and all that shit that it takes to like house these songs, they're not just like floating in a cloud, right? They're on like a computer in Iowa or something. <laughs> and this thing's cooled by like 8,000 fucking fans or whatever. But, um, you know, so it's actually, I was thinking like, oh, all this plastic and I'm, I'm just making these little pieces of trash that are eventually going to get thrown away, which I don't know why I think about that. But um, it's actually it's actually takes a lot of energy to stream a song, that's dude. That's insane. I've yeah. never heard that talked about. I mean, I, I basically just like read it on the internet. Some so clickbait shit. Up. No, it wasn't clickbait. I searched it out. All right. It was um. It was from. It might have been from ASCAP or something like that. Like, which is the publishing company or like whatever the hell it is organization that you have to belong to to like get royalties yeah. and shit. Yeah. I'll. Uh, I think it was from ASCAP. I'll include the link in the episode notes if anybody wants to <laughs> dive into that and be depressed about yeah. how we're fucking up the earth streaming. Yeah, I wonder what music like one movie podcast like, now. Streaming Harry Potter is probably like kills like fucking fourteen baby seals or something like that. Um I'm glad that you brought Harry Potter up. Okay. <laughs> because here's what happened last time during this this previous podcast. If anybody didn't tune into I think it's one seventy six. Yes, that sounds um, correct. If anybody didn't tune into 176, I suggest maybe listening to that first and then listening to this. Um, but um, you you dropped you dropped a, a couple Harry Potter references. I did throughout the episode. Low hanging fruit um, and softballs, hey, as they say. Hey, I felt like I redeemed myself and I used that reference. You did. I saw that in, in, in the, the write-up. vortex right Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you you were talking about I was. I was speaking upon your ambitious nature. And yeah. You, you were talking about the Slytherin thing, which I did not pick up on <laughs> at all. You're just like nodding your head. I didn't know shit about <laughs> Harry Potter. I don't know anything about that world, really. Um, but that's uh, that's your shit. Yeah, you man. I mean, I was medium into it, maybe low medium. Uh, but my girlfriend is like high very very into it she's she's a, a harry potter nerd for sure um like we listen to the books like audiobooks like every day so you've been converted oh yeah yeah and i loved it before it's a great great book um but like we've been to harry potter world now and like i know my house and all that kind of stuff and 
I own a couple wands, you know. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> are you always like before the Harry Potter stuff or are you always into like fantasy type stuff? Uh, I The first fantasy I think I was ever into was Lord of the Rings, which I read my senior year in high school. Um, before that, I read, you know, like Kurt Vonnegut and stuff, which has fantasy aspects to it, but Hemingway and Kurt Vonnegut and, um, you know, like the, the classics or whatever. All those classic books I've never read. Exactly. <laughs> but, no, Lord of the Rings I thought was really cool. And Harry Potter might be the the next fantasy series I read. And then that got me interested in, like, The Wheel of Time. And right now I'm reading uh, his dark materials and, and things of that nature. Um, and comic books also. I started reading comic books, and that got me reading some more fantasy authors um, through that. But, yeah, why are we talking about that? I was just curious about oh, so your... I don't know. I'm I'm just always interested in what people are interested in. Oh, what I'm know? really interested in? Like, so I didn't, you know, I, nah, I, I was like, just I curious fantasy. if like that fantasy thing is is a is a big one for you. If you dig that shit a lot, I just um, came from the local bookstore across the road and, and I bought, what did you buy? I bought a new fantasy book. Okay. Yes. So I'm not I'm not a uh, I don't know how much this has been brought up, but. I'm I'm not a big reader at all. There's a, there's a small bookshelf in there's here. There's a very small amount of books on it. There's like two thousand records and <laughs> seven books. I think one of those books is actually a Sublime box set on <laughs> <Whoa>. CD. <laughs> I've uh, oh, I you just sold me out, dude. You Sorry, sold man. you sold me out. Sorry, I do have a Sublime here. box set. And one is Phil there. Collins. Is that a book? That's a Phil Collins, Phil book. Collins book. Oh, not dead yet, dude. <laughs> Phil Collins is my fucking ride or die. So we, it's oh, it's all good. Um, is that, why and is then there there's a shirtless like a, man on that book. What is it's that? Anthony Kiedis. Anthony Kiedis. My my cousin gave me the that book. He said the Sweet. Anthony Kiedis book is very good, and awesome. I have not read it yet. Awesome. Um, the rest of it is mostly like self help shit, like the power of now, which is <laughs> you know that's that's my Bible. So we need that up there regularly when I'm I'm freaking out, you know, having having some uh some panic attacks, and then there's some like yeah, some yeah. Ram Dass up there. Love it. You know. Love it. Um, but yeah, you got this fantasy book. I bought, uh, yeah, this Ursula K. Le Guin, uh, the book, uh, Heinous Novels and Stories, Volume 2, I'm really excited about. <laughs> Let me tell you a reason why. Actually, it doesn't matter. It does matter. But, well, remember, last time I was here, I think I talked about doing, like, a long-form dance piece. Yes. Yeah, so this is the book. The telling is the book that I'm going to write the dance piece, you know, uses the is the material for the dance piece. See, this is perfect. This and is I've, been, I've borrowed it from the library like three times. Now I want that shit on my bookshelf because I'm gonna. I want to write notes in this. This is why. This is why I bring these things up because I want to know. Like, do these? Do you feel like these things bleed into your creative process and inform the music that you make or or the art that you make in general? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, Brasserie Dauphine, right? Which is like our kind of funky tune. There's a video up. Um, from that same super secret session. Uh, that was like me reading a um, George Simenon, like French detective story or book novel, Simenon, these, uh, uh, the Maigret novels, right? So there's like 75 of them, which is a lot of uh, books in a series. It's a shit ton of books. Um, and they like, he's this like hard nosed cop detective who like, interrogates people for like 13, 14 hours to break them at the end of every fucking book. 
And in the middle of this book, they always send up for beer and sandwiches from the Brasserie Dauphine, which is a little restaurant, cafe, bar around the corner from the police house, right? And so, like, it'll describe, like, the, the heat of the wood stove and how the, everybody's sweating in there. And then, you know, Detective Luca will come in with, like, a tray of beer and sandwiches, and that'll break the guy, right? Because he, like, finally gets some refreshment, and he calms down, and he just spills the beans or whatever. Um, so I wanted to write that tune. I was like, I want to write like an upbeat tune that might like a band might play in the corner of that brasserie, like when the cops come in after their shift and they're like drinking their lagers or their, you know, per not or whatever. Um, and that, I mean, that was cool. And then like the teleportation, which, uh, come is coming out right about now. Um, it was like that when I, decided that I wanted to write a song about, like, time travel or teleporting. And I immediately thought about teleporting through space, like, to another planet or something. Um, and I kind of used the visuals and the way I feel from reading, like, Ursula K. Le Guin's Hainish stories, which are about, like, basically what time travel would look like, like, around Star Trek's, like, level of... of uh, not time travel, excuse me, but space exploration, right? So it's it's... There's some planets that have the ability to reach out to other planets, and they do, but they do it in this really cool way where they, like, send observers who, like, just blend into the population and just, like, take notes, basically. And then they send a team that, like, goes and talks to the people um, uh, and says, hey, we are from another planet. <laughs> we want to give you the knowledge we have if we can take some knowledge from you. And all these terrible things happen, and, and it's mostly like they're, like, it's uh, what you might consider, like, uh, it's um, anthropological science fiction, or, or you know, you're like looking at different cultu cultures and things like that. But anyway, I used like the the visions that I have conjured up in my mind of what like these people look like traveling through space because I've I've been reading these things recently, and I like try to make a little soundtrack for that, and that's what brought apart um, like the the melody that you know that that part um was just like what would it feel like to fucking hurdle through space towards a a planet you were gonna try to like change forever and that's kind of that's kind of where that came from see this is why, <laughs> this is why we're talking about this yeah um do you uh is that, is that there often a, a visual going on for you when you're composing? Yeah, if I'm going to intentionally write, then I tend to do things like that. Um, a lot of, probably half of my, my, the melodies and things I come up with are spontaneous. Like I'm just singing to myself and I catch something and elaborate on it. And then I, I think we talked about this last time. If I'm walking the dog, I'll just sing it till I come home yeah. and then I write it down and then I let it sit for a while. Um, but there's some times where I'm like, fuck, I, like with teleportation, it was, I'm doing a dance performance with Mia next Tuesday and we need some music. So like we sat down and we, uh, Mia O'Connor Smith and I like just kind of brainstormed like some feelings we wanted to emote and one of the thing or themes, you know, and one of them was teleportation and I kind of snagged on that. And when she was improvising in the, in the, her dance studio, um, she's improvised dancing and I'm trying to follow her and like we're trying to talk to each other. Um, and I'm on the bass and I came up with that opening line. Like it's just something fast that she could really grab onto and um, <clears throat> sounded good. So I had just that feeling. And then I came home and like thought teleportation from the notes that we made. And then I'm like, 
two and a half hours, you know, with that in mind, like teleportation. This day, I had like a video of the dance on my phone, so I was kind of like just checking out um, the general feel and vibe from her moves. Um, and yeah, that, and then like having these visuals in your head from the books, right? And it's better than having visuals from TV um, because it's it's all yours, right? And it's all your creation. Yeah. Like none yeah. of it has to like follow the laws of physics or anything. Yeah, you just yeah, that's that's a great point. Just as far as you know, you have to create what's going on when you're when you're reading. Yeah. There is no you know, there's no visual to inform you. So it's all what you make it. Yeah. Um, when you're composing new tunes since writing the teleportation song is uh is there a part of you now that is kind of thinking about how somebody would move to this after seeing mm. mia throw down something not, like that while you're making music not necessarily um i learned a lot from that experience and especially because i have the i have the video i haven't released it because um a couple different reasons. Um, but, um, like, it changes the way you play to be working with, with uh, dancers, at least in my limited experience. I've done a few times over the years. But I haven't brought that into the composition yet. But when I write this shit, when I write the the long-form dance piece, then it has to, right? And... and um, you know, I what I would do is come up with some themes and ideas, and I have a little looper pedal, and I'd go and uh, meet up with with uh, Mia in this case, and and um, just start throwing the ideas out there and see how they go. But then you also want to, when you take it home, then you think, yeah, like if I when I swell like this, what happens? Or if I stay really quiet and busy, what happens? And if I use a lot of space, it's yeah. fun. It's different. Right on. Yeah. Should we should we jump into the teleportation jam? Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. This is uh teleportation and other epiphanies off the teleportation EP from the Frank Irwin Quintet. Let's get it.
is definitely one of my uh, my favorite favorite tracks from your band for sure. Oh, it's it's definitely I'm most proud of that. Yeah. And we we're just listening back to it, and you were telling me that you guys had only really played that song one one time before. Yeah, pretty much. Kind of recording it. Yeah. I wrote it about ten days before we were we did that session, and um, practiced it at the dress rehearsal for the dance piece, but with just a few of us, and then we played it once at the show, and and then went in. Yeah. You think that contributes to the, the kind of energy that it has in the recording? I like to think so. Yeah, we were really going for it, and we had the kind of experience of playing that the the dance piece, um, which was just like the most amazing gig. So I think everybody was riding high from that. Um, and, you know, it was the, the studio's right above Cider Riot, so we uh, <laughs> we were nice and relaxed on a Sunday yeah. afternoon. And, yeah, just having fun. It's a fun tune. It's easy. It's super easy. Um, and it's like, you know, James's part is like one whole, uh, you know, four whole notes at the beginning and then some quarter notes. And there's that, like, little tricky thing. But... Um, yeah, man, we just let loose, and it's a real, it's super secret. Is like a real living room vibe, and so it just felt real natural and and very, uh, very free. It was fun. Yeah, and uh, so it opens up with uh, that that crazy bass intro that you're doing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I I just love where it takes off from there because it slips into like this really smooth feeling thing from there <laughs> which is completely different from the from the opening yeah of the song and um when i got the masters back i was listening to it in bed and i was like oh fuck is this smooth jazz <laughs> and then it got into the the outro and i was like nah we're good <laughs> <laughs> i like it though it's it's so cool just the way it slips into that and and then yeah. you got you got Dre and Meltzer, mm-hmm. Andre Burgos and 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 Alex Meltzer to to drop some some sense on it. Yeah, and then Nicole McCabe is playing alto on it, um, and she just rolled in for like an hour, you know, ripped that solo. We did a couple takes, um, but uh, and then like bounced out to another gig or something. <laughs> Uh, and she like the more I listen to that solo, the more I I absolutely love it. It's it's perfect and. Um, and smooth, man. It's like real chill, and then it just takes off, takes off. And then you just had Dre and Meltzer just do they some overdub stuff. Top, yeah, Meltzer did a little. Um, you'll like on the fourth time through the outro, kind of sixteen bar loop. Um, basically, I was at Meltzer's and he had he had done the synth thing and he was doing some mixing stuff. And um. I said, hey, can you run it through the yellow knob? <laughs> right? Because he's got those different colored knobs on his uh, his SP-303 or whatever. And he's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so he like routes some stuff real quick, fumbles with some cables. And then so he's got the horn lines coming through his SP-303. And he's like able to like, you know, put those kind of like crazy effects on it and shit and bend the pitch and stuff. So on that last outro, you hear some like real pitch bending and rhythmic shit on the horn lines. And that's him. So you sat with him while he was... Doing all that stuff, <laughs> yeah. Him and him and uh, Dre, which is always a good hang. I love going over to Melter's house. It's it's always incredible. Yeah, is it is it fun for you to to sit in on that process and just see see what they're doing with it? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I give, you know, I'm, I don't give a ton of feedback. I just let them do their stuff. And it's, it's weird because they, they do it so naturally that, like, the first thing they do is just so perfect that you're like, well, I don't know. I feel like maybe we should try something else. But I really like that, you know. <laughs> it's, um, but, yeah, uh, I try to hang out in any session I can all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that and I, I'd heard you play um, for Simmons a couple of times live, at least a couple of times. Yeah. And that's a song that I dig a lot. And I feel like that and Teleportations kind of has has like a Herb Albert feel to some of the orchestral. Sh- like, I don't know. It feels like, like orchestral <laughs> and some shit, dude. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. This is supposed to be a compliment. (laughs) I like her, man. (laughs) Rise. I'm not ashamed. Are you kidding me? (laughs) No, I'm not. I I guess I got. You don't fuck with Herb Albert. That's fine. Dig deeper into the Herb Albert catalog. You should. I know that when I Tijuana Brass. What are you kidding me, dude? (laughs) (laughs) I know when I'm driving to work and Herb Albert comes on, I put the news back. (laughs) I'm like, all right, all right, Derek. I'll see you in a minute. Should, we just finish, should this just be over? I didn't. I didn't mean to offend you with the the Herb Albert. No, no, it's reference. cool. I like it. He's smooth as fuck. He is smooth, and, and it's like it's get shit done music. It's it's positive. It moves in a good direction. It's upbeat. It's you know, it's pleasing to the ears. That's what you want. Um, were the other tunes outside of Teleportations written around like the same time? Or no, Persimmons is old as fuck. Persimmons I wrote. I was living on Hawthorne, so it must have been 2012, 2013. I played it a bunch with uh, my duo, uh, Inky Shadows, with George okay. Mandis. Um, and that was that's one of our good I'd be like wearing shakers on my ankle and shit and, you know, uh, making this groove. Um, and it's, a, it's just a favorite melody of mine, so I brought it in for this. And we've been playing it since the first show, I think, or the second show. Yeah, that's that's one that I always look forward to hearing. And I think that that's one of those songs that I think is like a really good representation to me of how good of a storyteller you are through your instrumentation. Oh man, storytelling. Yeah, I think that's what like that's kind of like my takeaway from listening to your music usually is that I feel like the songs do tell a story and i suppose most songs do but i think specifically with instrumental music when that can be done without a vocal narrative yeah that's always really mind-blowing to me that's the goal and yeah yeah, so i i don't know i just i just really like persimmons for that reason because i do think it like shows off your strength of telling story through instrumentation in your compositions thank you is that are the people that do that the ones that inspire you? Like, are those the folks that are usually resonating with you? I don't think you're gonna like this answer. Dan. No, I, I, right. but um, you don't have to have any specific answer for me to like it. The way I was just thinking about this earlier, and I was like, I don't want to talk about this. But like, there's this. Um, it's easy for me to feel like a fraud in general, right, in my life. But there's. <laughs> I think that like the the myth almost of instrumental music meaning something or being written about something 
Um, sometimes I feel a little disingenuous with that because it's easy to stretch and it's easy to assign meaning to something that doesn't have words, right? Um, I think that good songs are written with a narrative, right? I mean, they have to go someplace so they can come back. It has to be a journey of some sort unless you're like just trying to make someone dance for four minutes or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think there's like, I, again, maybe 50, 50, like have a concept in mind, like angels rest, right. was very much the, probably the best that I've ever done. And, and I don't know that you can really write a song about something more purely than this or whatever. But like, um, I might've told this story last time and I tell it at shows and shit. But um, it was written, like, when I walked inside from the first rain after the Angels Rest and Eagle Creek fires, right? So it had been, like, smoke and fire for, like, 10 days or whatever the hell. It felt like a month. And then I went outside, and it was raining. And I, like, just looked up in the air and held my arms out, right, and did the whole movie thing or whatever because it was like you've been waiting for it and hoping for it, and, and it finally comes. And then I walked back inside and picked up the bass, and I wrote the whole song in 30 minutes. Right. So that I can say this song is about blank. Right. Yeah. But you could just write some cool shit and they'll be like, what does this sound like? It sounds like riding a, a horse through the desert. All right. I'll call it, you know, fucking Sahara Sunrise no or something. Horse with no name. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you can and then you can sell that. Right. It gives you something to tell. But when like concept albums. Instrumental concept albums are interesting like that, too, because you're just, you know, I don't know. It's e it's better to sell, and it's easier to talk about, and it's easier to um, to give an image to a, a listener, but I feel like only rarely is it genuine. Yeah. I guess. Or that's my fear, I guess. More what I was asking of, for you is uh, the people that... Uh, like the instrumental music that you listen to. Yeah. Is it the people that can that you feel like create stories through their music that grabs you? Or like that think, can create imagery incidentally, for you? Okay. I think incidentally. I don't chase that and I don't think that it's a common thread in what I like. Um like we we're talking about the the intro to teleportation that you were asking me kind of what that's called to be like bing ding 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 Right, and I don't really know, but I, I said it was my like Charlie Hayden ripoff or my Charlie Him Hayden imitation, right? Because the reason I love Charlie Hayden is because he does shit like that that you don't hear other places, and it's his own kind of sound. And when he does it, it's so much better. He does these like descending lines where he'll keep the high note or the low note and then just bring chromatically one of the notes down like six or eight times, and it just sounds super cool, and you can tell he's like really spreading out, and it's physical, and... um so I like that because I can I can relate to it and it grabs me. I don't necessarily like flashy playing. I like playing that has um, a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, soul in it, right? That really kind of drips something off of the note just besides the note. And, and I think it makes it easier to believe or create narratives when the sounds are from a really uh, honest place. You know, rather than someone who's just like super technically capable, like that. I don't, I don't hear a story from that. Like, 
Who's that? I was talking to someone the other day about Kamazi Washington. Oh, my friend Alex Coronado from uh, Naptime Beers over in Nyack, uh, New York. He was out like on just a beer vacation, and we he's a, a musician and has toured all over the world with his band Doofus that I really like and I'm inspired by. Um, but he was out, and we're talking about Kamasi Washington, which is like the cool thing to do. And he got he did very well with his album, The Epic, right? Yeah. Which was supposedly this, you know, something of operatic proportions. And you can find it if you're really looking for it. You can find that narrative, and um, I'm sure it was involved on some artistic level, right? But you know, you're not. It's hard to write for film if you're not writing for film. And try to convince people that you're right. You know that this is some kind of soundtrack to something. Um, is cool. I mean, I I see what happens, but I whenever I do it or catch myself doing it, I I try to pull it back because I don't want to. I wouldn't want to like lie about the process. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but maybe that's just me. <clears throat> no, I think that. I think that authenticity has like comes through in your music and whatnot, and um, even down to the tracks on on the on this particular batch of tunes, I just feel like there's a rawness to it all. Yeah, which I what, love. That's what I like about it. I almost didn't release the stuff because I mean, it's definitely not like we're recording an album. That no one ever said that that wasn't in the cards, right? So it is very raw playing. It's just like we got to crank out some videos. Let's have fun. And so you, you, it's really a live record. Um, yeah. In, in so many ways. Um, and then the, the solo bass track was just like, I want to do a fucking solo bass track. So I yeah. had this old melody that I've been playing forever and recorded it a couple times and then juiced it up with some, you know, I added extra basses and stuff to lap it up. And then Lucio's, um, excuse me, 8-bit, uh, the, the Super Nintendo remix, I think is super cool too. It adds a different dimension. So I think it's like three kind of, very different styles on that little EP. Yeah, dude. The Buttermilk Falls <laughs> tune, the the one that's just all bass, is, uh, I don't know, man. Would you say that that's, like, one of the more ambitious tracks that you've made? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it's really, you know, it's very uh, exposed. And it's just, I mean, it's just my bass and a microphone for the most part. So uh, you can't really, you had to be on uh, physically and really be listening. And it was fun. Yeah, that that is like the rawest track, <laughs> you know, <laughs> definitely. Which is that? I recorded it in my living room and like Garage Band or something. That's why it sounds, that's why it's so cool to me though. It's yeah. like you can hear so much shit going on in the background. Morgan's doing dishes. Dude, it's, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love all of that that's like i think that's, that's what cool. gives it it's like gives it the feel and then you have that spacier track going on yeah in there as well yeah it's that's just like, a bunch of bass basses looped on top of each other how many different bass tracks did you use there were eight them? there were eight bass tracks like one you know one was the main one and i recorded it to a metronome uh, just with the the upright bass, and then I added like three separate chord washes um, that through my looper or whatever, and then went through and played over the top of certain parts just for like it's like you were putting an effect on the upright basically because you're playing the same notes and just like adding a little bit of growl or some bloop bloop 
in the background. I, I, I think it's kind of charming in, in a weird way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I think it's a, like a really beautiful track, dude. Like I think it's one. It's definitely a song that it's like very easy to kind of lose yourself in it and start daydreaming too. <laughs> and, you know, kind of has like a very, you know, almost like a, a chill electronic vibe to it, even though that's like really not what's going on with it, but just like kind of gives me the same feel as that of just something to like drift into really easily. Yeah. You know what I should have done? I should have gotten, I should have gotten Meltzer on that to do like the little like Euro trap beat, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and have it like fade in and out and shit. <laughs> that would have been, Really ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not, I don't like. I want to hear I the. Would, I would want to listen to. That I would shit. love to hear the Alex Meltzer remix. You know of of that song. Um, I feel like maybe he would do something better than that. Better than that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I kind of want to hear that version too now, just so we can laugh about it. Uh, I'll make it for you. I'll beatbox it. Um, had you had had you had had that one around for a while too? Yeah, I wrote that. Um, like every five years, I go through a phase where I'm like, I'm going to do a solo bass set. No one wants to hear that shit, but I'll write like a bunch of little arrangements. And some of them I really like and kind of um, are like your core musical pieces. Like, I don't know if this works the same for anybody else, but I have like some songs that I've never played publicly, but like have just been in my in my body or in my mind for 15 years. And I still I know every note, and I sing them all the time, and I every once in a while I play them, and I contemplate using it for a project, but it's not right, you know. And that's one of those that um, I I have a basically like on my old Apple or on my old Mac, which I only boot up for this kind of shit because it's like gonna die any day, and I'm scared to use it. Um, but it has I have a hard drive too, so it's all right. Um, I'm not that old, but um, it has just this this folder called Solo Bass Works on Carruthers from when I was like had no TV and just like stayed up late and, and wrote music and played all the time. Um, and it's just fucking like 50 really cool ideas that stuck with me and then I played a lot. So I went back and listened to that to like remember the form. And then, yeah, that was, was kind of it. And have now you, it's done. Have you ever tried to pull something like that off solo, like as a performance piece, doing a bunch <laughs> of different bass looping like that? Mm, well, there's two tracks on the first record uh, that were like that. That are just I would I'd improvise um, some chords and effects and things on on my bass, and then I would change the settings of my effects and play like a melody over the top or something. Um, and like I went through terrible phases where I would have like a bass solo every night in my band set, you know, where I would like do shit like that. But then um, I played a poetry thing. I played like music in between poetry sets that people ignored. Uh, while they were eating their crackers or whatever, which is great. It's really fun. I actually, <laughs> like, enjoy it. Um, but no, I don't think there's a, no one, like, Charnette Maffitt came to town, uh, like, three years ago and did a solo bass thing. He's, like, one of the best at it. I was still like, I don't know if I want to go listen to solo bass for an hour. <laughs> did like, you go see it? No, I didn't. It was also, like, 3 o'clock, so I would yeah. have to take it off work. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it was a, a ambitious a little bit, um, and I hope people enjoy it. I, I enjoy it. I like it. I, yeah, I'm glad I, you like it. No, I dig I dig that track quite a bit. I was just, you know, curious if if 
that's probably one that people aren't going to see you play live. Well, very often. No, in December I'm going to arrange it for the band. I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a way to do this. Oh yeah, it's all in there. It's all in there. Which will be cool because it'll be a completely different take on the song then. Absolutely, and then we'll put it on the next record. And uh, did doing the the beats, the broken beats record, inform like your reason for wanting to do the the kind of eight bit remix of the super teleportation yeah. track at the end? Yeah, and I I uh, absolutely absolutely like that's something I want to keep doing. I think it's fun. Um. And he did a great job. Like I asked him, like, "Hey, make me an ape." He he, because he has that great album, uh, Visions of the Three. Um, that's all eight bit shit. And this he used like some sixteen bit sounds too. It's more like a Super Nintendo sound than a Nintendo sound. Um, but I love it. I love hearing what other people do with my material. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. And do you think that was also the thing that kind of? launches the idea of, of bringing Dre and Meltzer to, to play on the uh, the teleportation track, too? Just um, kind of expanding in that way? Not really. I felt like just me trying to further, like, reach that visual of the spaceships, you know, like big freighters and shit like that. I thought some synthesizers would be good. Plus, Dre played on the dance performance. So it was a set. Oh, okay. it was, it, there were seven of them. So Dre had had been playing some stuff, and he was out of town when I went to the did the video shoot. Um, otherwise, he would have been on the video. Do you? So think I wanted to add him back, and Melter was, you know, I always want Melter on everything. Yeah, for sure. You think you'll you'll keep messing with that too, and not being afraid to do some overdubs with whatever nah. serves the song and whatnot. I think if it serves the song, that's cool. And I've got for my next record, I want to do I want to do some more work with with those guys with uh, trying to get Omari on it. Yeah. Um, do like them, them three, like doing interludes and shit with, with pieces of the previous tracks and the next tracks. Yeah, man. It'd be fun. I think it makes it super exciting. Yeah, jazz. I mean, a lot of records are hard to get through, and it's nice to have like, especially in the you know in the kind of playlist culture, like have something that's just a little bit different, that pulls your kind of pulls your mind out of where you're at. Yeah, I think probably I don't know in a similar way why people enjoy like the beat tapes and like the beat records in yeah. general yeah. of just kind of this, like, this thing that's like easy to cruise through and, and yeah. just really enjoyable to have on while you're doing stuff. Well, like donuts or whatever. I yeah. have it in my car. It's like, it feels like 86 songs. <laughs> it's just like constantly changing and you're like, yeah. what's going on here? Yeah, dude. Um, and it, you never get bored. Like Zap is the same way, like music where, or a listening experience where you really have dips and weaves and things like you know it's hard for me to listen to like a whole acoustic record or something like that unless i'm like really chilling or something like Haley hendrix that Haley hendrix record i can put on (laughs) and really chill but that's different um that's just fucking amazing but it's because it's interesting too yeah you know in its own way so um but i hear what you're saying you know there's certain there's certain things that it's very hard to like just even get comfortable in because it's making so many different moves like the Zappa stuff. Or, yeah, you know, it's uh, a different kind of listening experience. You gotten sure. down with the uh, the King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard? 
Wizard you know about these people? Lizard Wizard. Dude, you need to get down on some King Giz. I'll check it out. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard put on like 11 albums in two years. Just <laughs> crazy. And <laughs> That's it's what all I wanna super do. different. Yeah, man. That's um, what I but uh, yeah, man, I just wanted to chat it up with you about this, about this new record and, you know. Let more people know about what's going on with the Frank Irwin Quintet because I, I fuck with it heavy. We're having fun. We're having fun. I like it a lot. It's just the best bunch of dudes. It seems Our, that we way. We had a rehearsal on Sunday. It was a fucking riot, man. Like we we probably played like forty minutes out of three hours. Just the rest of the time we're just bullshitting. And, what? Uh, it's a good time. What is uh? What do you think is like special amongst that dynamic of of folks that that you've been playing with for a while now? Too. Yeah, no, it's going on like a year, I think. Um, pretty shortly, uh, with this lineup. Um I don't know, I mean, it's Alexander's just so fucking hysterical that like, <laughs> Well him and Ian and yeah, him and Ian are just like both incredibly funny in different <laughs> ways. But um so they just fire back and forth and then you gotta you gotta go with them because it's hilarious. <laughs> um and uh it's just a real, real nice group. And whenever Nicole's playing too, she's hysterical. She's a riot and uh, always a good hang. So we have a lot of fun. And I think that just makes music uh, pop a little more, be a little more relaxed. It's real relaxed. Like we can fuck up and done. I don't give a fuck. You know, we're just no hanging out. We're having fun. Like tearing each other down or no, man. <laughs> for screwing no. parts up. Oh, no, there are no parts. Very few parts. Um. Yeah, just all monster musicians though too. I'm I'm very humbled. Like Corey's one of the most ridiculous guitar players I've ever seen. That dude plays that instrument um in such a different way than I've ever really seen anybody play. He 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 does. He's got a very large presence, um, which in in jazz is is a little different. Uh, and he, I mean, he's not afraid to just like go and take it when it's time to take Hell it. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, which I like. He's bombastic. Yeah, he doesn't mess around, and uh, yeah, there's just nasty solos all over these tracks. It's laden with nasty solos. There's nasty solos like persimmons. James throws down. <laughs> James trombone solo in persimmons is like the one of the best things that's come out of this band. I think it's so incredible. It's so sick. And then, uh, who uh, then it's Ian answers though with like a really dope Mm -hmm. sax solo. And when he's coming out at the end and he's like, (laughs) it's it's so good, yeah. But there's there's a lot of killer moments all over the all over the record, and then and then you know, the buttermilk falls is like its own experience as as well as the super teleportation, the remix of Mm -hmm. super teleportation, yeah. Super Teleportation 2, Two. which is available now. <laughs> this record is available now on all the streaming platforms, including Bandcamp, where you can only listen to it a certain amount of times before it will Five, ask I you believe. for money. Yeah, which is fair. I want that money. He needs the money. Everybody needs the money. Like, I got to buy... I don't, I don't know if they're going to want to give you the money after you've uh, kind of uh, exposed the profit margins on what CDs are. No, nah, I mean, I didn't expose anything. It's all in the, it's, there's no fine print. It's pretty fair. I'm just kidding. Dude. Well, my thing with Bandcamp 
Are we done? Are, no, we, are you trying done. to wrap it up? No, okay. I'm, wrap, no I'm, I'm in no rush to my, wrap it my up. My thing with Bandcamp, man, is that, um, again, like, how do you how do you access it, right? So, I don't. I have trouble spending money on things that I can't hold or or even download. I don't even know how you fucking download from Bandcamp. I'm sure you can, but like, again, on my phone, I want to like I have all the Dre's albums I bought on Bandcamp. Okay, and I want to listen to them in my car, right? Yeah. But you, I don't know how to do it without it's, streaming. You got just got to stream all the time. It's you know what I I'm not gonna say it's shitty because I don't know if there's a Bandcamp app that I'm not there that, is, okay. but it doesn't do what I wanted it to do, and maybe I just need to adjust my expectations or like figure something else out. Actually, think about it, but I, it gives you unlimited streams, right? Um, which is the main thing. But then you can download it, I guess, or you can order the CD off there. It's cool. Well, because it is a pain in the ass to kind of listen to music on Bandcamp on your phone, just like going to the website. It's not always the easiest thing. Like yeah. if, if your phone isn't like yeah. set on the website, it won't go to the next song. Yeah. No, that's true. And things like that. But so maybe the Bandcamp app is more fluid. I don't... Maybe. But I mean... The other question. The <laughs> definitely not getting a Bandcamp sponsorship uh, <laughs> anytime soon. Well, I it's just music in this. general, man. Like, how do people, con- how do I consume music? Like, um, is that normal? Uh, like, what know, are, why you're are we producing about, You're talking about stuff, buying right? cassette players. No, that's true. So I, that's how I consume feels, music. It feels slightly but hipster how? and slightly out of touch all at the same time. Yeah, that's me, man. <laughs> You've seen my shoes. Um <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like you can't even find shoelaces, and you're you're worried about how Bandcamp is working. <laughs> I'm trying to. Uh, what I'm trying to say is like I'm just gonna push it out how I want to put it out. Yeah. Right. And how like is easy. Bandcamp is super easy. There's nothing to lose. Right. It's, it's great. It's great. You can just put like I love Bandcamp. As, but, like aside no, from what I absolutely. just said about like how. The operating system works yeah. sometimes. Like it's such, it's so fucking cool that you can just access a website, put your music up there, yeah. and let people pay for however yeah. they want to pay for it. It's incredible. It's incredible. But like, what I'm saying is, um, I don't know if that's how people buy music. You know what I mean? Which is fine. And oh, why I said the twenty-seven dollars thing? I wasn't, I wasn't trying to like lampoon anybody or talk about profit, but it's just. Um, it's interesting what happens when you try to measure your success. Monetarily? Yeah. Like, you you know, it's so tempting to go see how many people are streaming your music on Spotify every month and get your data, right? Your stats. Yeah. From all these apps. When, um, and like how many times you're getting played on the radio and that kind of stuff. Like, when that starts to dictate how you feel about your project, um, I get really scared about it. All so the, I may, I was kind of like, yeah, right? I was... You know, if you're sitting around watching your likes all day on on your posts, which happens sometimes, you're like, "Fuck, this is so stupid!" Like, yeah. why am I spending my life like seeing how many people like double click on my we're picture? We're brainwashed you know I mean? from all this <laughs> shit. It's crazy. It hasn't even been that long. <laughs> I know. I feel like it's like Stockholm syndrome or something. But um, you know, and and uh, it, it it I don't know. I wonder how many people listen to to anything. You know what I mean? How often do I listen to my favorite bands? You know, like once a month sometimes um so what i like what i like is um like hearing people's feedback when they do listen to it and it's it's like okay cool it's not like 
it's a real thing. Like it is getting out there and it is affecting people in some way. Um, but I'll just keep putting it out. I don't know. Yeah. It seems like you're going to just keep making music and stuff and you're going to put it out and that's right. That's, I feel like that's when it becomes really fun Yeah. when you're not worried about how it's going to do necessarily, yeah. you know, and you're just like, well, I'm going to make this music either way and I'm just going to put it out and hopefully some people enjoy it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll have it as proof of my existence. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm doing with this shit. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I think I, I was very caught up um, the first year, maybe first two years of doing this of every I mean, especially the first year, I would check almost every day to see how many plays happen, you know, mm-hmm. and then yeah. and then I would and I still get a weekly email with my prog like the progress report or whatever, and it shows the numbers and everything. And I'll, I'll always check that because they're sending the they went to the trouble of sending <laughs> the email. I'll open it certainly, up. And, certainly I'll see. And like, I do want to know like what the growth is or like what is hitting and what is not and yeah. and trying to correlate you know how th- how people are sharing things and whether that are, amounts to more plays and whatnot. So I'm like trying to collect my own data, but yeah, the man, I'm just not checking every day to see how many plays. Yeah. I don't even check for the week anymore, except for that email that I get. I don't like go to the website to check anymore, and I think that has made it so much better to not not care really about it and just kind of just let's do this thing because i like doing it yeah and uh yeah so it certainly it you know just from a a personal perspective it gives a nice trajectory to your time right like uh it's it's a way to i mean you got to do one of these a week right so um like it's nice to have a show coming up and know that like I've got to make this thing. I've got to create something in this period of time, and I'm going to chip away at it like this. And so you can go to bed at night being like, oh, I did this, this, and this today. I'm headed towards something that um, is is my own, is the way I feel. Like, fuck, like, let me just do something that that is me and trust it, entrust it to these, you know, four other amazing musicians. Yeah. And, and let them make it better. <laughs> For sure. And then put it out there. It's all about... It's all about doing shit. I'm into it. I'm into the thing. Me too, man. Um, <laughs> well, let's wrap this up. Yeah, absolutely. Gonna, uh, I'll let you pick. Ah. Uh, do you want to play it coming out? Do you want to play it out with buttermilk, or do you want to play it out with the super teleportation? Oh man. Because we're gonna kick the episode kicked off with persimmons. Oh. Okay. Just in case you didn't know. Um. Let's I decided get, right now that it it did. Let's get the uh, the eight bit. The eight bit in there. It's so good. Yeah, eight bit. Um, Lucio Barbarino. He's also from Syracuse, um, and he just killed it with this tune. So I will. Uh, I actually put this on when I play Zelda, the original Legend of Zelda. <laughs> that's a very good time. I feel like that's a great time to listen to this. It is. That's how I. He kept sending me new versions, and I would get out the the switch and be like, you know, it's good stuff. Uh, well, I'll put all the links in the episode notes. And like I said, you were also 
the guest of episode 176. If anybody wants to go back and check that out and listen to uh, us talk more in depthly about Broken Beats, a record that just recently came out, definitely check out Broken Beats. That shit is so nasty. And the Better Broken record is also available, which is uh, the inspiration for Broken Beats. That's correct. And... Um, yeah, all those links will be there. And, and uh, check out the videos, the super secret videos. They did a wonderful job. Those are cool, man. I like I like that's a that's a cool look at like what your band does live for Hell sure. Yeah. And to get to apply a visual to it of, of what's happening and whatnot. And it's it's what's known as in the industry as high quality video content. <laughs> that's high quality video content, folks. That's what they want. Um, do you want me to do the thing? Yeah, dude, you're definitely gonna do the thing. I appreciate you coming in and hanging out with me again. It's it's always it's yeah, always a pleasure. Um, with or without clothes on, it's always a, <laughs> always a pleasure. Um, whether it's out there at the at the old hockey rink on the ice, trying to pass pucks up the boards to you, old oh, baby. Um, <clears throat> yeah, always always a pleasure. And, Thanks for having and me. Dan. Like I said, man, I'm just uh, you're one of those people that I'm I'm very inspired by. I feel like pretty regularly. So eh. your presence is uh, is appreciated and ah. it's it's uh it's always fun to get to dive into that shit with you. So. Absolutely. Um well you know how we end every episode, which is with saying the tagline for the show. So do the thing, Chris Frank. It's a program. He nailed it as always. No instruction needed. That is Chris Frank. The uh, the band leader for the Frank Irwin Quintet, which all this music comes from. So so check it out. Hit the links and uh, don't forget to leave your iTunes reviews because those are important to uh, to grow in the show. Can't stress the importance of it enough. It only takes a few minutes. You've left a review, right? Uh, yeah, I did. It, it was very easy. Yeah, very very enjoyable. Even <laughs> Chris Frank doesn't know how to use. This guy doesn't know how to use the internet, and he was able to leave a review. So you can do it, too. <laughs> That's it, everybody. Episode 186, I believe this is. Just 10 episodes ago, you were here, and you're here again. We're playing it out with the, uh, the 8-bit version. Super teleportation number two off of teleportation EP available everywhere. Check it out. That's the Jelly Jams, and we will catch you on the flip side. Portland.
It's a program.